Welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis, and welcome to one of our great Thursday shows. We have an in-studio audience, always very fun, and if I leave them any time at all, they get to ask questions at the end, but I don't leave them very much time. I leave them a little bit of time, but I want to welcome you to a great, great show we have today, and we have two guests in studio with me, which is it's just an extraordinary thing. I'll tell you very quickly, many in the audience, as well as myself, this afternoon, watched a film in a theater in Dallas, watched a film that was created by my two guests today. The film is called The Mind Polluters, and it is about the content of sex education in public schools. Not just the content, but the mission behind it, the apparent long-term mission on behalf of some people to really groom children to turn away from the values their parents may be teaching them at home, uh, and to to really turn away from their own inherent innocent, uh, innocence as children and to groom them for sexual activity, sexual uh, comfort in speaking and using sexual terms and speaking, it j just pull them away from their precious innocence. And this documentary, honestly, I mean, I read a lot and I follow a lot about this. I had no idea how graphic, grotesque, and deeply upsetting this education is. And this is not just, as the film points out, it's not just, many of you may be thinking, well, you know, probably in California because they're crazy. But it's not that way. It's in public schools around the country. And so this is just, it was, it was a, just a, an extraordinarily um, eye-opening and alarming film. And I'm so grateful we have the uh, producers of the film right here in the studio today with me. I want to welcome Amber and Mark Archer. Thanks for having Hi, us. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having us. So glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we love to welcome our guests with clapping. Well, let me just start with this. This Mind Polluters film, I meant to say also in introducing you that you are a husband and wife ministry and you actually have uh, a, a organization of filmmaking called Fearless Features. Yep. First, it's a great name. Mm -hmm. Great name, Fearless Features. And this is not your first film. No. Nope. But this is a film that uh, watching at lunchtime today, uh, I just, before we get launched into all the depth of it, how long did it take you to pull all this together, all these amazing people who contributed to the film and told you about it? Well, all told, this film took us uh, 14 months. 14 months? Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. Beginning That's, to I would have thought to, would <laughs> From take concept it? to completion, 14 <laughs> yeah. months. Uh, yeah, I would take it even longer. I was going to guess even longer. It's just, just amazing. So let me just start with, before we get into the graphics of what children are taught, you know, when people hear this... Um, idea that the public schools really immerse very young children in sexual education, they kind of think, well, it's probably just the teachers' union's fault. It's probably just the school board's fault. But you had, you presented a really big picture historical background involving Dr. Alfred Kinsey. Hmm. And I'm going to just go, I don't really care. I'm just going to talk to you. You decide who's going to answer. How about okay. that? So, <laughs> what, just tell me about Dr. Alfred Kinsey. Like, I know everyone knows he's the Mr brought sex into the modern world kind of guy, but what his role is and how our schools ended up where they are today. I'll let Mark take that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where do you start with Alfred? Um, so Alfred Kinsey was uh, a professor of um, biology at Indiana. Yeah, he studied gall wasps <laughs> at Indiana Sorry. University. Mm -hmm. And he was also a sexual deviant of the worst kind. So. He was a, a homosexual, pedophile, bisexual, uh, sadomasochist, and he got funded by the, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation to start writing his book, doing his, his study that eventually came out as a book called Sexual Behavior in the Human Male in 1947. And then uh, in 1953, released the sequel to it, Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. And it was marketed as, Dr. Kinsey has shown us who we really are. He's, you know, he's, he's done this scientific study to, to show us how, how we really are sexually and behind closed doors. And it was this sensation across the, the country and really around the world. But it was all propaganda. It was propped up by he had he had millions of dollars in funding from from the Rockefeller Foundation to to push this agenda that we're all perverts and introduce this this notion of what and we still hear about this today something called the Kinsey scale. 
um, and where on one end is purely heterosexual and the other end is purely homosexual and everybody kind of falls somewhere, you know, one's one, skewed one way or the other, but there's very few that are actually straight, right? And that was, that was all Kinsey's idea. I want to jump in and say one thing that you address in the film, and I mentioned, I should have mentioned before we start, I want to welcome our new radio listeners too. If you're listening on Bright on Radio, thank you so much, so much for tuning into America Can We Talk. So back to what this uh, Dr. Kinsey did. One thing that was discussed in the film quite a bit is that he basically was trying to say even young children, even babies and young infants have a sexual desire of some kind. Can one of you just address or summarize what Kinsey was saying about children? Yeah, so uh, Kinsey wanted to convince the world that children were what he called sexual from birth. And so this whole notion, everything that we see today that, that, the, that the left uses to justify graphic sex education is based on this fundamental core belief that they say children are sexual from birth. We know this because it's been scientifically proven. If you, if you go about one or two layers deep in that argument, you will find that it goes to Kinsey and his books. If you go into Kinsey and his books, you see that Kinsey justified his, he started with his conclusion, this is what I want the data to say, that children are sexual from birth because he was a pedophile. So he wanted to justify it. So he got, he pulled his data from pedophiles. There, there have been several, I mean, there's been dozens of books written about this, but Dr. Judith Reisman, who's in the film, spent her career, 40 years, exposing Kinsey. And, and it was, it was not that difficult because she simply pointed out the data tables in Kinsey's books. So if you start with sexual behavior in the human male and look at the data tables, 30, 31, 32, 33, and 34, sexual behavior in the human male, it shows that they were, their data shows everything from a two-month-old to four-year-old children and how many times they supposedly orgasmed in a 24-hour period. Well, this is, this is child torture. Yeah, I want to comment on that. And then um, I do want to get, your film was remar is remarkable, and I want to get to all this in it. But I had not realized until today, and I even, I minored in psychology in college and read something about Dr. Kinsey. And the main impression they tried to give about him was, you know, this is a guy who kind of took the modern world out of the old-fashioned world of mm -hmm. Christian, you know, kind of provincial morality and tried to open up the topic of sexuality so that we can all be adults and talk about things mm -hmm. the way they really are. But even, or I don't recall learning in college that he was advocating the idea that children have a, a sexual desire or sexual um, interest from birth, basically, that, that they are, they have a sexual desires. And therefore, if you, and, and what you talked about just briefly, your film expanded on more, which was there were charts in the book where he's describing studies done by pedophiles mm -hmm. on children to say how much children were enjoying Mm -hmm. sexual um, activity stimulated by adults. I, I mean, honestly, he should have gone to jail. Yeah. But there's Absolutely. this interesting how his, and he is kind of still revered among in leftist circles as a guy who kind of opened our eyes and took us away from this antiquated and foolish idea of sexual morality. That, that's how he's viewed. So his thinking kind of opened that all up. But here we are today. We sit here in 2022 when you've got a film talking about sexuality and, and being how it's portrayed to young children in public schools, how does it make its way down? Like who listened to him and pushed this into the public schools? Is it one entity? Is it a movement? What is it? Well, it's really interesting because when you look at the pornography industry in a whole and where it started, so um, interestingly, Hugh Hefner, who we found out was a virgin in college and started to read Hugh, or um, excuse me, Alfred Kinsey's um, human behavior and sexual behavior, sexual behavior in the human, in the male. human male. And he said, well, I'm going to be his pamphleteer and ended up getting funded and started Playboy. And so now you've got, again, like Craig Sawyer says, this cascading effect, you know, and, and so now you have pornography, but where it comes from, 
It's been decades that so many people have, have picked up this notion that children are sexual from birth and, and run with it. They, they look at that as the holy grail. That's, that's, that's just the way humans are. Playboy magazine actually also got its seed money from the Rockefeller yeah. Foundation. That so. Rockefeller Foundation. Okay, can't go off on them today, but they're <laughs> another bad <laughs> actor. Other bad right actor in America, <laughs> Rockefeller Foundation. Okay, so let's just focus a little bit for our listeners uh, and viewers here today who were not able to watch the film that we showed to you, show uh, the mind polluters. I, I mean, I don't know how to ask the question, except I want to give some concept of the kinds of things we're talking about that young children are taught. Mm. And you had actually excerpts in your film taken from public school teaching and can you pick each maybe pick one or two of the, the examples that that really show how perverse what's being taught young children are so there are um, they have uh, children role play was, and these are usually middle and high school kids who they role play and so you get the scenarios where um, you're you're a gay couple so they will pick two guys in a classroom these may not be gay children or anyone who identifies as such, but they have to act out these roles. And so it becomes, they have to take on these personas in this scenario in front of their peers and resolve their, their sexual tension and their conflict and how are they gonna go about having sex and are they gonna use protection? And so there's, there's always, all of these programs push the use of condoms. And so they say, um, in, in California, we know that they have wooden models of male genitalia that they have the kids race to put condoms on. And so the kids are handling these as well. They use bananas as cucumbers, as models, it just depends. So this is, this is what sex ed is today. I would um, actually ask one of you to address, <laughs> yes. though. Yes. I mean, what was, among the things I was really struck by was the young age at which these ideas are now introduced. And they have one example about butterflies. And they were oh. just, it's a sweet little story about butterflies. And oh, butterfly, you know, orange butterfly over here is a woman and, or is a female and blue butterfly is a, a male. And then it led the kids down to, but some are, you know, one orange and one blue. Mm -hmm. And it's introducing at the youngest ages, mm -hmm. kindergarten level to kids, maybe you're not really, you know, you don't have to be just a boy, you're just a girl. You can be kind of, both or anything you want to be. I think that's mind-blowing and, and it's, I don't know how recently this became part of the curriculum, but that is, that is just a flat-out advocacy of the transgender agenda. Absolutely. And I, well, well, I'll just talk about that a little bit. It's one the gender you. spectrum and yeah. you'll see that, you'll see that a lot, the gender spectrum. So one of the things that I, I should point out, and when you watch the film, Every time we show one of these examples down in the right-hand corner, we cite our sources. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you can see where we're pulling all of this from. And pretty much every single piece of video material that we're showing in the film, we pulled from publicly available sources. So anybody can go and find these, even the example about the butterflies. Mm -hmm. So the, the butterfly story is interesting because Jennifer McWilliams, who's in the film, she was a, a second grade teacher who was a whistleblower on this. She started warning parents about this social emotional learning program in the school. And we interviewed her. She was one of the first people we interviewed. And she tells the story of this lesson that they would do with the butterfly. So they would have an orange butterfly and a blue butterfly. And one's a boy and one's a girl. But sometimes it can be one half orange, one half blue. And this is what they call this uh, non-binary or chimera butterfly, right? And then with a few clicks on YouTube, you can find here's an example of a of a, a teacher school? giving this example to her first grade class for for a remote learning class and it is exactly as Jennifer described it. And that was a school in Connecticut. Yeah. And Jennifer's in Indiana. And so what's what's so fascinating about it is that even as we were doing this we we were in such disbelief ourselves as parents as we started this. There were things like that where we would go we would say, well, you know, I would love to cite, you know, I'd love to cite sources on this, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, this sounds too fantastical. Mm -hmm. And then you'd go and with a few clicks, you'd find it. Mm -hmm. You'd find something to support it. And, and there were so many things 
like that in the storyline of the film that even we didn't believe mm -hmm. going into it. But it's all true. We also, at uh, one point made in the film, and I said in my intro too, about how parents can hear these kind of stories uh, that your film displays, and they can think, well, yeah, but that's probably California or New York. But you had stories about things all over the country. I mean, mm -hmm. Nebraska, Indiana. Indiana's where you're from? Indiana? Oh, yes. Yeah, Indiana. Uh, I mean, stories, places which we think is heartland America. And even here in the great state of Texas, we kind of think we own the identity of, you know, we're the liberty lovers, we're the Bible Belt, we're conservatives, we're good, solid families. But it's happening everywhere. What you're describing is happening everywhere. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get to this, how it you know, makes its way into the schools. And I know that there's a, um, a defense of it by administrators who teach this kind of thing, or teachers do, that we're just trying to keep the kids up to the, you know, up to the modern, aware of the modern world, you know, not mm -hmm. confused. Parents may not teach them. We're trying to help them. Start one of you would please, please, one of you just with, so what harm, you talk about grooming in the film, what harm is this doing to young children? So they learn things maybe they shouldn't have learned for 10 more years. What difference does it make? Oh my, you know, it's interesting because um, in the film, we cover two different legislative sessions where this, where the obscenity exemptions, which I'm sure we'll talk about, are, are trying to be addressed. One was in Nebraska and one was in Indiana. And in both states, uh, but primarily in Nebraska, I remember one of the senators in Nebraska say, asking that exact question, mm -hmm. saying, well, I had sex ed in school and I, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know, what, what is the harm? What, are you saying, they always, they always put up these straw man arguments. Are you really saying that we shouldn't teach sex ed? No, nobody's saying that. You just said that. That's not what, that's not what we're arguing. We're arguing that, uh, you don't need to show kids graphic pornography to teach them about sexual health, right? Mm -hmm. Just the, and I, I wanted so badly, of course I'm stuffed back in the back behind my camera and I'm trying to be quiet so I don't get kicked out when, as soon as they realize why I'm there. But I wanted to, to ask that Senator in particular, uh, that's that's sort of like saying we're going to teach doctors about how to treat bullet wounds by shooting them in the chest, mm -hmm. right? The, the, this is the best way, right? You have to understand. Well, that's then we would say, well, that's absurd, but that's the same reasoning that we're that they're using for. Well, we have to show them all these things because they're going to be exposed to bisexuals and transsexuals, and so we have. Let's just tell them about it now, and it's. It's a, it starts as early as preschool. Yeah, there's this concept of grooming, and one of the people, I'm sorry, I was during, in the middle of the film, I was thinking I should have been taking notes, because I don't know the names of the people who were in the film as well as I should, but one person was talking about this idea of grooming, and, and you know, we, on my show, have talked about grooming uh, with respect to, um, you know, Islamic groups that have the way they teach sexuality and they groom young girls or uh, and other groups of people who want there to be available, uh, very, very young girls available for men and, and or people. Anyway, so on the subject of grooming, isn't part of the idea that if you teach very young children about sexuality, you're legitimizing it to them. You're you're making it normal. I mean, I'd love to address that because your film talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, it, it just, it desensitizes children. They have a natural aversion to not engage in, you know, early sexual activity. That's, they're, they're not built for, you know, we're not, we're not built for that. And um, it, it just continually desensitizes and dehumanizes as you go through these comprehensive sex ed curriculum. One example they had in the film was just the concept of, I think these are maybe middle school kids or maybe older elementary school kids, where they're talking about, well, to get used to this or to help them be able to discuss it, they have to say out loud synonyms for body parts. And, and there was a reticence to start with, but then once other kids heard other kids talking, well, maybe, you know, and pretty soon you have a classroom full of kids yelling out or speaking out you uh, about synonyms for body parts mm -hmm. sexual body parts and activities and it was to make them all feel good about it to feel mm -hmm. comfortable about it i mean that isn't that gr the essence of grooming they're they're now becoming comfortable absolutely breaking down the barriers yeah, yeah. I, you know it, when when uh when we talked about that in the film and as we were putting the film together 
And I thought about an example from my own life, and I know that a lot of people will identify with this. As a, as a young boy, and I grew up in a good Christian home, and so I knew that I knew what the bad words were, mm -hmm. but I didn't say those bad words. And when I would hear them, I, would, I had this mental filter, say, those are bad words, I don't say those. And then as, as you grow into junior high and high school, and you get those bad influences around you, Right, and then you've got maybe your one good friend who says one of those bad words, and you and 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 it just kind of sticks, right? That well, they say that, and they're you know, and they're cool, and I like hanging out with him, and and there's that point for me, and I can speak from personal experience because I was a Christian early on in my in my life, but as I got older in my late teens, I started going very far away from the Lord. And I remember that process of, you know, cool guys say those bad words and I, I, I want to be like them. And the first time where you let yourself think that word, right? And then you think it a couple more times. So it starts in your, in your thought life. And then the first time that you verbalize that bad word. And before you know it, you have, you, you, this is part of your everyday vocabulary, right? And it's, it's the same it's an example of grooming where you're, you're kind of doing it to yourself, but it's all of those influences have taught you it's okay. It's okay. Everybody says it. Everybody says it. And that's what we're doing to the children. Starting with them very young, we're teaching them these barriers that you have are old fashioned. No, that's not what you need. It's okay to say these words and to think these things and, and, and then just feeding outright lies to them that you can you can be the other gender if you want that's obscene. Yeah. you know it's a really tough thing you made the point earlier that someone said hey you know i have sex education everybody has sex education what, what is the big gripe here and it is really important to be able to articulate what it is the difference between uh, you know whatever you think public schools should offer in terms of explanation of the facts of life and so people at an appropriate age have that mm -hmm. and what these this seems to me more to me like advocacy mm -hmm. it's not imparting information it's advocating for a more sensual view of yourself a more sexual view of you of yourself but how do you answer the argument of the you know the secularists who say you're just trying to impose christian morality on public schools in america you know we have freedom of religion and we don't all have to think like christians do what's your answer to that well it's a very simple answer <laughs> uh there are two there are two worldviews ultimately there's a, a biblical worldview and a humanist worldview and what we have done as christians is we have allowed the humanist worldview to push us out of everything. And they say, You're, you can't bring your religion in here. Well, the Supreme Court actually has ruled that humanism is a religion. If you read the Humanist Manifesto, one and two, they start off, we are religious humanists. Mm -hmm. It is a religion. And so what we've done is we've allowed the state to impose its religion of humanism, which is worship of the state, man is the center of all things, mm -hmm and push the Christians out. So that argument of you're just trying to impose your religion, I say, well, you're trying to impose your religion. Mm -hmm. You've mandated your religion to be taught to everyone. Could not agree more. I love that answer. I've often said in the show, atheism, agnosticism, secularism, they are religions. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to say, you know, Christianity can't have a role in public schools, well, then neither can all of those. And mm -hmm. I think Christians have been silenced because they buy into this, well, I guess this, my view on these matters of, of human intimacy come from the Bible, and I can't make my neighbor, the atheist, believe these. But there, I just a renewed sense in the Christian church to say, no, not buying that argument anymore. Mm -hmm. That That is really needed, that, that passion that says you are forcing your mm -hmm. atheistic, secularist, humanist, whatever the, you want to call it, worldview on our kids, and that's wrong. It takes a lot more faith to be an atheist, I'll tell you that. <laughs> to believe in nothing, it's, it, it, it's not possible. I, I tried to be an atheist. I actually went through a period in my life in my 20s where I, as a Christian, I was so angry at God. Really, I was angry at myself, but I had to blame it on somebody, right? And so I was so angry at God, and I tried for a brief period to be an atheist, and it lasted about 32 minutes. I mean, it just it was that just ridiculous to me. And I realized I can't believe in nothing. That that 
that yeah. everything came from nothing. That's a lot of faith to believe that there was nothing and then everything appeared. Yeah. You know, and, and no one did it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's and no incredible. one did it. Like, yeah. yeah, it is actually. I have heard that similar lines before about how, you know, it's actually an astonishing bizarre assumption that all of this beauty and grace and order came from nothing yes. from a, just crazy okay but back to this your film because i hope your film i'm assuming your film is intended to wake people up and i will tell you that i'm I, i'm a very astute student of american culture and society and schools and i did not realize how perverse and how widespread the teaching of this um sexual human sexuality argument teaching young children so if you and, and one other aspect you mentioned in the film I want to quickly mention um, which had to do with what's in the public school libraries and there was a mom several moms reading from mm -hmm. public the library books Can you just talk about the, that there was an ex exemption that allowed states to to put in public libraries what otherwise would be viewed as pornographic. Yep, it's, it's obscenity exemptions and it's in 43 states. And um, so what it is, is uh, there are uh, obscene materials that's disseminated to minors. You can have it inside the public schools and libraries, but if you go outside of those protected domains because they have a legal defense, through the obscenity exemption, well, it's a felony and you can go to jail. <laughs> and and so it's, it's so bizarre, especially as parents, as we look at it and think that our kids are actually allowed to view this material at school, but if someone were outside and hands them this material, this exact same material, they would be arrested and go to jail. So, how these all work i mean it's it's frustrating because what we see going on at the state houses uh they don't they don't actually want to fix the problem nobody wants mm -hmm. to touch it I yeah can, i can tell you too so as an example when we were in nebraska mm -hmm. and there there was a dozen or so people that testified uh in support of removing the obscenity exemption and one of them was was a man who was a senator in Nebraska, in the legislature, when they put the exemption in place in the, in the I want to say the mid-70s. And he testified that this is not what we intended. This is yeah. not how it was sold. How it was sold was, okay, so in a, in a university environment, for example, and college and level, college level say, say med school, right? Mm -hmm. And if you want to learn how to be a nurse or a doctor, you have to learn about these things, and these are medical things. And so, we don't we don't want teachers being at risk of getting in trouble for explaining human genitalia, mm -hmm. for example, to in a medical or in, in a, the arts or in the arts, yeah. something like that. That's how it was pitched, mm -hmm. and so everybody went along with it. Oh, of course, as we got to protect science, we you know mm -hmm. we can't have professors being hauled off to jail for for some you know some prudish thing and it was put in that was the big lie that was sold and then it started to be used over the next few years to hey this says any public mm -hmm. school or you know public, public library, library it's <clears throat> protected so what they did was they they carved out this little protected hole for every everything that's obscene Inside the public schools and libraries, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Sky's the limit. Go for it. Wow. First of all, if you're watching us online for America Can We Talk, I want to thank you for watching online. We are now on Broadian Radio. I want to say hello again to our Broadian Radio listeners. If you are listening to my show for the first time, the way to learn more about it is to go to americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. And on that homepage, you can find a listing of all past interviews, past shows, our blog posts, our very popular Why It Matters features, and all sorts of other things. On radio, we're about to go off on a break for three minutes. So whatever you listen to for the next three minutes, come back. And we'll still be here for another half an hour of America Can We Talk with our two stellar guests who are going to be with us again after the break, Amber and Mark Archer, the producers of The Mind Polluters. And for those listening online, we're going to keep right on rolling uh, during this three-minute radio break. But for Brady and listeners, don't go away. And also check us out at americacanwetalk.org. Okay, so here we are with our online listeners yeah. only. I'm going to quick switch topics and tell you, I mentioned while we were, um, before we got started, uh, because I want to keep the flow going with the radio people. So I was telling them before we started that uh, the guy who does my 
um, my texting feature thing. You know, he, he helped set up our texting feature. He um, is a dad, and he's in Utah. And he went to a public school, school board, in order to advocate. I, it was something about masks or social distancing, whatever it was. And so he does his whole, um, you know, made his presentation. And he seems to be a little bit smart aleck and mocking the three distant measure between chairs. Somebody in the school board got mad at him. Next thing you know, this guy at his front door saying, you know, actually, you now have, you are now, we got a court order. You must stay off school property, never can come back. So he went a couple weeks later, goes to pick up his kids at school, literally driving through carpool and got arrested for trespass. And he actually got found guilty and got a fine. So I raised all this story to say in all of your research about what goes on at schools, are you finding that the school board? I mean, I just think the school boards are out of control in this country, they are. out of control. But in your looking into this uh, in making your film, did you come across school boards who were? 100% behind this stuff, behind this curriculum, oh, uh, school oh, boards yeah. who were against it. What, what was your read on that? Well, I actually, I sat through a Nevada school board meeting and these people actually believe, I mean, they're, they make up all kinds of excuses as to why we need to be teaching children this graphic sex ed. It's, it's all of, well, um, what about all of the kids who have been molested? What about all of the kids who are getting into um, trafficking? I mean, that's, that's actually their reasoning for teaching everyone because they think that it's going to help prevent these things from happening to these children. And, and we're, we're all so, so vile that we would withhold this information from them. I mean, that's literally... The con how the conversation goes in these school board meetings. So the mindset you're describing is the school board people are saying, if you teach these things, kids will recognize it and then it won't happen to them versus you're grooming them to legitimize and normalize sexual um, attraction by adults toward them. Yeah. 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 So there's, I think there's, there's, you, 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 we have to be careful not to paint with a broad brush like they do. There's, there are some who know exactly what's going on. There are some who legitimately have, have bought into their own malarkey that the kids really need to learn this when they're in pre-K. No, go ahead. And, and some that really are perverts and really want to sexualize and groom children. Mm -hmm. Truly amazing. Welcome back again to our Brighton Radio listeners and to everyone else online. Thanks so much for watching. We are going to rock and roll another, another 30 minutes right here on America Can We Talk. So we have in studio our, the producers of the Mind Polluters. First of all, what a great name. I don't know which one you thought of that. That was a great name. You tell the story about how <laughs> Can I, should I tell the story? So if you look up, uh, 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 if you look for the book called The Mind Polluters, it was written by a man named Dr. Jerry Kirk. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Jerry Kirk is one of the one of the uh, early pioneers in fighting against pornography in America. Back in the 80s and 90s especially, he was he was really working hard on us and he wrote a book called The Mind Polluters and that was one of the first books that that I read as I started researching the battle against pornography in general in the US. And I managed to track him down and uh, Jerry's still with us. He's he's in his 90s now, but I tracked him down, and I and he's a he's a, a former pastor, um, and he's he is still one of the busiest people I have ever <laughs> talked to in my life, and I think that's why he's still going strong because he hasn't stopped. He just he has hasn't a stopped working. For this. Yeah, he has a passion yeah. for it. And I I talked to him about it, and I I sought his blessing, even though I wasn't you know, trying to make a, a movie based on his book. But I, I told him, we want to make a film about what's happening now. I love the title of your book. I want to pay homage to, to you and the work that people like you have done. Are you okay with us using that? And he said, absolutely. Yeah. So that's where we got it. I love it. I can't urge our listeners, and I want to ask you in a moment how they're going to find your film, because I know it's not publicly available yet. And I, I cannot stress to everyone listening to this how important it would be for everyone to try to watch this film. It's The Mind Polluters, not currently available, but I think you're going to be able to bring it to your community as someone did here in Dallas today. It'll open your eyes in ways you have no idea what's happening in the public schools and with, with respect to public school education and what kids are told about sexuality. One thing I was going to mention to you, I had a um, 
gentleman on my show a few weeks ago, uh, Yako Boyens, who happens mm-hmm. to live around here, uh, and he was talking about the idea that when kids are taught in school, very young ages, they're watching, they're learning about sexuality, they're learning, and, and even though you say it's just information, it's advocacy, it's mm-hmm. legitimizing, and they have adults talking to them, their teachers and their counselors, that when a true sexual pervert approaches them, it is, does, they don't have the same reaction they would have had as an innocent young child. They think, oh, well, this is just another adult speaking in very graphic terms. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've learned I have sexuality and he has sexuality. I mean, it, it, it helps the groom. It helps the yeah. pedophiles approach these children successfully. Do, mm-hmm. it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you continue to normalize this, this language and this conversation and this behavior. And so... Kids, kids are, are very trusting of adults because, you know, they don't, they don't, who else are they to look up to? And um, it, it's, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. Okay, well, I know you came across in making this film, you came across many groups. I, I have a long list here of people who are parents at, in various states trying to do something, say something, you know, and, and organize and wake other parents up. So I want to talk a little bit about the parents and their role in all this. Most parents, at least my generation, my kids are grown, but our kids are grown, but you know, we assume we're teaching them more or less about sexual morality. And, and in our case, it comes from the Bible, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever parents' belief system, you think you're gonna get to teach them. But isn't what you're describing happening in public schools, it's just kind of taking away the right and ability of parents to teach their, their children what they believe about the nature of, of human intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and what we found as parents, we have three three young children, and we found that as soon as we started investigating this, we I, I laugh I say we turned into those parents. <laughs> right? So our our kids our kids go to a private school, but even at that, we started becoming those parents who started questioning everything. Let me see your homework. What are they teaching? Let me see your math. What is it? And we started seeing even in a private school setting that the math was infiltrated with common core and the reading assignments were you know were, it, it's starting to creep in everywhere because as the curriculums get updated this stuff gets put in and it's very subtle in a lot of cases um, we've become those parents who question the, you know even bible lessons in in class because I want to know that they're teaching things correctly, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, we had one of our daughters that had a Bible class and they read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but they didn't really talk about homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And I have a problem with that because <laughs> you kind of miss the point, right? right. That, that's got a big part to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. And so things like that where every every day every you know it, we're we're questioning we're asking what are you studying and we send emails to the teachers and we go and we sit with the principal and say yeah. i have a problem with this i have a problem with this and yeah yeah well more parents need to be like this i, I this could be incorrect i'm just going to ask your reaction to this i have the feeling in america that this curricula as we're now talking about invaded the public schools almost in a stealth way and that most parents weren't aware what their kids were learning and even teachers didn't all stand up and vote to have us come in it just moved its way in and then it's advocacy by the lgbtq community Mm -hmm. that says you have to you have to help us you have to normalize so people won't pick on us so you had that aspect of it all and i just think parents didn't recognize what was happening in their schools and and i think they're starting to now so the people you ran into that you are part, I mean, talk about them a little bit, the parents you and other organizers of groups that just spoke up and said, we're gonna stop this in our schools. I think there was a there was a woman I met, um, her name is Peg Luxick and she's in Pennsylvania and she's been fighting in education for since the <laughs> 70s. And it was interesting because she was telling me about um, what happened back then as she fought, we were talking about curriculum, um, so the government mandated and we're giving federal funds that you could only buy from specific publishers. Uh-huh. So all of the Christian publishers went out of business because the schools, the public schools had a list that they could only purchase from certain publishers. And so it's, it's been interesting and you see in these publishers, I think 
they are not being held accountable either as they continue to uh, release this new material and these updates. And, and so that's another aspect that we didn't even get to talk about in the film, but people really need to understand and start looking at who's publishing what. And, you know, and that's where we're starting to see CRT come in and the 1619 Project. I mean, it's... I, I, as you might imagine, a show like this, I've been all over that. But I do, <laughs> but I do want to oh, go good. back. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I do want to go back to the, you mentioned SEL. And mm -hmm. I want to have, you know, I, I know public school teachers who are very strong Christians and really, and, and good people. But this one woman in particular said, but I kind of like SEL because it helps the kids it kind of open up and we feel like we're, we're understanding each other better. And, and I'm going to send her a reference this film, but talk about how SEL is used to bring along this sexualization of children's view of themselves, this whole mission of them. Well, it's really interesting. What we found about SEL, um, social emotional learning, when you look at, so there's a, there's a pyramid that they have and the they place ev all children in this top tier. And in the top tier, every child is a trauma victim. And so that's exactly. So every child who comes to school is considered uh, traumatized in some form or another. And so that's why, and especially now with the COVID, they are justifying bringing in more and more of the social emotional learning. It, it, especially if you read any news articles and just start looking at the language that they use and realize that they are looking at every child as a trauma victim. Regardless of what kind of home or background you come from, your your child is traumatized. Can I just jump in and say, it's kind of like yeah. CRT, mm -hmm. when they decide before you've opened your mouth, yep. they know a thing about you, if you have white skin that you are an evil, you're, you're a, yep. an oppressor, yep. and if you happen to have black skin that you are therefore a victim, and you cannot, under CRT, ever escape those mm -hmm. labels. Yep. You, that's who you permanently are. Yep. So back to SEL, which again, I should have said, it stands for social and emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it seemed like it was kind of humanized in the teaching process. Instead of being so strict about, you know, chop, chop, do your times mm -hmm. tables, learn your English grammar. It was kind of more of a get to know each other. But it has been, uh, maybe it wasn't the very beginning, but certainly by now, it's been, it's been overtaken by the anti-American leftist mm -hmm. pro-sexual perversion agenda. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it's all about how we feel, how what what we each individually feel is is what we're supposed to act on and what we're supposed to believe. Yeah, SEL is really as as Rhonda Miller, who's in the film, she puts it very well. She says SEL is the engine that drives the train. Mm -hmm. Say again, what? SEL is the engine that that drives the train. Okay. It, social emotional learning programs, which are everywhere now, mm -hmm. they are what ushers in the it's it's the it's the initial attack basically to soften the target mm -hmm. to get kids thinking only in terms of how i feel and th concepts like win-win which is compromise on everything mm -hmm. and so this is how you this is how you force things like transgender bathrooms and you know so-and-so wants to be a girl today and uh, all the stuff. Well, you, you, you can't judge them because we learned how to win-win and we learned how to be accepting of everyone. And where this came from is, is from the Stephen Covey who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Successful yeah. People, which everybody's read. Right, and go, hey, that, that's a good book. And so parents see, oh, it's Stephen Covey. Oh, it's, it must be, it's a good program. Yeah, we want you to learn how to be successful. And they put a very slick packaging on it. And, and parents look at it and go, yeah, I want you to learn these skills. But the problem is, as Jennifer McWilliams points out in the film, she's the teacher who was fired for pointing this out to teachers. The problem is that, yeah, that, that you can't, <laughs> they're teaching kids that these are the skills that you have to learn and you have to apply them at all times. Mm -hmm. Right, and so win-win. I, we as adults know when to compromise on things, when to try to see someone else's point of view, or when to say no. This is how it's got to be. Kids don't understand those boundaries, and so when you teach a, f a first grader, they have to win-win on everything. Then you're teaching them to be mush. Mm -hmm. You're teaching them that they can't say no to anything. This reminds me that um, I use the expression, the moral equivalency of all ideas. This is part of what anti-American leftism does is, well, you know, we say that, you know, freedom and free markets are good, but, you know, communist and communism is good. And so we're all supposed to prove our intellectual, uh, you know, 
brilliance or kind of rising above the pedestrian thinking. I said, well, yeah, I, I think all ideas are good and win-win. Everything, everything is right. And there, and what it really stems from is you have no core from mm -hmm. which to determine right and wrong. You, you have no core to determine values. If you know, especially when you're a, a raging atheist, you know, mm -hmm. who there is no core teaching that tells you right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I know I'm jumping around. I feel like we need about three hours and we don't have it. <laughs> we have about 15 minutes. Um, and I do want to be sure to offer our audience, um, someone out there has a microphone or will have a microphone. Uh, okay, um, and but before we, before you lift up that microphone to your mouth, one second, I do want to say, um, I think that's really, um, I mean, we do have some specific things I want the audience uh, to get to, but all that you've done in this film, you've tried to lay out what's occurring in the public schools and did you come with a takeaway, like, how we're going to fix this is, how are we going to fix We this? the people. Yeah, we the people. It's the parents. We the parents mm -hmm. have to, we're, we're the yeah. ones that have to mm -hmm. fight this. And, and, and on an individual and a corporate basis, mm -hmm. um, you know, I have, I have a friend of mine who, yeah, he, he's, he's expect, they're expecting their first child. And he, he came to a screening that we had last week and he said, he said, I don't know what I can do to help. And I said, that baby, that baby girl that you're expecting in a few months is how you can help. Mm -hmm. You can start by raising her and protecting her from this. Mm -hmm. If all of us do that and then uh, band together and start dismantling these programs in the public schools mm -hmm. help as the other well. Kids yeah. who aren't as fortunate. Yeah, if you, yeah. Take, if you remove the children from harm's way, they, they start losing their power really fast. Mm -hmm. I love that. I have had people on the show just said, you know, I, I think the public schools are hopeless. Not just on this topic. This this topic is all by itself enough. What is being taught children about America and, and is this kind of fundamental anti-Americanism has just mm -hmm. permeated the public schools. And, and I can see the point that at least save your kids, pull them out of school and find out some other system, a you know, private religious school or homeschooling, some other way to pull them out of it. But ultimately, the parents whose kids are in public school they have to feel like they are the sovereign. They are the they are in charge. And the schools, I, I just cannot, maybe I'm naive, I cannot believe public schools would stridently stand up for and retain these kind of programs you're describing if they had public exposure, if public if parents were at every school board meeting saying, This is in the school library and you can't read it out loud on camera because it might go out on television. I mean those kind of it's, it's just massive pressure because eventually the schools have to be the ones that say, we're done doing this, and, and I, it's a it's a massive project too because it's changing so much curricula that's made its way in mm -hmm. over decades. Yeah, and look at how they react. I mean, you to, told the story over break of the guy who who made made an obvious point in a school board meeting, and they had him arrested. Right? Yeah. We've seen stories like that all over. We've got the Biden administration now labeling all of us as parents as domestic terrorists mm -hmm. because we believe that our children are our own. Right? Yeah. So, in a in a military uh, example, as uh, for, uh, Forrest Moriarty, who started Purple for Parents in Arizona, yep. and uh, and he gave a a great speech a couple months ago, and he said, in a military term, when you start getting flack, you know you're over the target, yeah. right? So I say that much all the time. Yeah. Yeah, if you're taking attacks, you're over the target. Okay, yes. so we have this set up with our um, studio audience. I do have one person here I want to. Um, Alice Linehan's in our audience today, and I'm going to ask whoever has the microphone to please hand it to her. And I'll just mention one quick thing about Alice. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know Alice's name, she's an activist in Texas on many, many issues, but she particularly has been talking about education. And if you're, in, we have an audience all over the world, all over America, but we have a lot in Texas. And I want to ask Alice just a quick a summary of you know what's happening in Texas on this issue. Who's driving this sexual education in Texas in the public schools? I think there were many of us who were fighting against the mental health bills that Abbott was put, pushed forward, um, which set up the framework for funding for SEL. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we have the Texas legislature mandating SEL. We have the State Board of Education writing SEL into our TEKS, our Texas Central Knowledge and Skills, to align with the Common Core. Mm -hmm. Then we've got TASA, the Texas Association of School Administrators, 
who are training the administrators on to bring the superintendents to bring it in. Then you've got TASB, the Texas Association of School Board, who are training the school board members on how to deal with parents. And then you've got the 20 education service centers here in Texas who service our school districts and our private schools in the professional development of all of these programs. I think we need to have an elected official who will call for a full audit mm -hmm. of the huge billions of dollars that we are spending on these social emotional learning programs that are, like you said, they are the gateway to comprehensive sex ed and CRT. Mm -hmm. Okay, and for our listeners in Texas, if you heard that and you were not taking notes, you got to go back and rewind and listen to what she said and write down those agencies and push your elected officials. Because what you just heard Alice explain about is in Texas, all over the country, in every state, somebody's doing these kinds of things. Some person, some entity, some group of government officials are doing this. And this is what it takes to wake the, uh, it, it takes pressure from parents to go to agencies like this, as well as to your school boards, as well as to individual teachers, because we are the sovereign, but we, we need to act like it. Okay, now we have a studio audience questions. We have a microphone. We have, uh, and actually I meant to say before Alice came on, you know, for everyone who wants to ask a question, the microphone is being used so the studio audience, get, I mean, so the audience uh, on radio and online can hear it, so hold the microphone up to your mouth. All right, well, thank you so much for getting this information out. Um, there's a group with, uh, called Teach for America, and uh, the teachers, they take our brightest, and they go to the poorest neighborhoods, and then they're taught that our oppressive society put these kids in these schools in this broken system. Is there any way you consider some kind of academy where you teach our young uh, teachers coming out of school to connect the dots the way you have to understand what's behind this. Is there any kind of opportunity? You know, it's, it's really interesting because um, Diane Douglas, who's in the film, who's former superintendent of public instruction of Arizona, uh, during our interview, we asked her if there's anything that you could change, what would it be? And one of the things that she said, she, goes, she said, if I could change anything, it would be how the teachers are taught mm -hmm. in the higher education because that's where it's really coming in is it's the college where they're getting the degrees because they are they have the mandates of what has to be taught and she said that's where the real problem is and these teachers come out and they just kind of you know they go all over and continue to teach the errors <laughs> if you will of you know to hate America and we're all evil people so it was it was really interesting. I don't I don't have a specific answer because you know the colleges get they get their funding from the government and so we're kind of stuck with that. <laughs> How about fighting the teachers unions? I have to say in you know in Texas we have relatively weak teachers unions, mm -hmm. but California is they they have massive power mm -hmm. and I assume on this issue, as they are on all others, they're always in the anti-American left-wing camp. So they're probably mm -hmm. pushing all the legitimacy, all this. So they're another target to try to um, undermine. Mm -hmm. Oh, the NEA is the most powerful union in the world. Mm -hmm. They are, they're wicked to the core. And so how do you fight against something like that? Well, you have to look for what it is, you know, can, can you topple them? Well, uh, not directly, but parents standing up to the school boards and demanding accountability and if they don't get it pulling their kids out that affects their bottom line yeah. when the when the when the kids aren't in the schools the schools don't get the funding when they don't get the funding the teachers aren't paying in the dues it 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 starts to collapse it from underneath right so yeah there was a great Supreme Court decision about teachers uh, not having to pay dues to teachers unions. In fact, I've had the woman on the show several times who was the plaintiff in that case made at the Supreme Court. But the idea of encouraging teachers, if you don't like what they're standing for, fight back, don't mm -hmm. pay your dues, refuse to fund them. And it is, as you say also, it is if enough parents pull their kids out of public school, they eventually have to start to listen because yeah. they're, they're, they're losing ground. Okay, mm -hmm. more questions in the audience? Well, and I, and I was just going to say, you know, I just read an, an interesting article not too long ago that, um, especially now with COVID and everything, one in four families in America are homeschooling. Mm -hmm. 
And one so in four? One in four families in America are homeschooling. So, it, I mean, homeschooling's on the rise, whether yeah. we see it or not, but it's pretty incredible to see. So eventually somewhere, they're gonna have to start paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They already are, Alice. we're just ignoring. <laughs> one more thing I wanted to say, our, the TEA, the Texas Education Agency, the Commissioner of Education, stated during his public testimony uh, to the legislature that he is implementing SEL into Texas schools. So that's on video, on the record. I'm sorry, is he appointed? Yes, by Governor Abbott. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, he, he's gotta go. He's another person who's gotta go. He's, we're, one more quick question. Do you agree that there are liberal moms and dads who would be horrified to know that their children are being sent to school and they're not learning to read, write, and do math. So they too are not going to have an equal opportunity at success in life. Absolutely, Absolutely. great point, I yeah. Know, I know plenty of liberal moms and dads, <laughs> you know, and they would be, listen, we, we work in the entertainment industry, right? We, we know the, a lot of these people. Um, we're also, we're also uh, unashamed Christians mm -hmm. and they yes. know where we stand on it but I know we have common ground with them listen you send your school you send your child to school to learn math history science English literature right and they're not the schools don't want to teach that anymore right. they want to teach them how to be emotional little little blobs so yeah I think we've got a lot of common ground I'm going to jump in right now just again for our Bright and Radio listeners. I cannot thank you enough for tuning into my show. The show is America Can We Talk. You can read more about it and hear more of our interviews at our website, americacanwetalk.org. And thank you so much for tuning in. This is just our radio listeners. Thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I talk truth about America. Okay, so then we're done with it. Now, on to our online folks. This is the bill. I, I love this beautiful clock the studio got for me so I can see exactly what time it is uh, in radio world. Okay, so we have about three more minutes. I, I, if there's any, any other really pressing question, I want to give them an opportunity to share their... Okay, go ahead. Please go ahead. When did this really take hold in earnest as far as it's pervasive? Because, you know, 80s, 90s, I don't remember any of this stuff. Which part? The, the social learning and the, oh, and the, the, social, the, the that's really recent. I mean, it's it's about five years, I think. If we if we trace mm. it back, it's it's five or six years. Um, is how far back I've gotten on the research of it. Uh, it's 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 been a process. Mm -hmm. If you uh, if you go and listen to our podcast yep. and listen to the, she was talking about Peg Luxick. Peg actually she her interview she talks about this and how she, they. They started seeing elements of this back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and she talks about it. She actually ran for governor of Pennsylvania and almost won. Yeah. Just a mom. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she has an, a massive knowledge on the history of this, but it's yeah. really amped up over about the five, past five, six years. Yeah. Okay. So we have a couple minutes left, less than two minutes left. I do want to ask you, so this film, again, for everyone listening, is called The Mind Polluters. Mm -hmm. And the uh, producers, the makers of it all are Amber and Mark Archer. And I know it's not publicly available, but if someone listening thinks, I want to see this film, what do they have to do? So right now, so the way we got the film made was we crowdsourced our funding. And the way that we're marketing the film is we're crowdsourcing our marketing. So if, if you are... Uh, in this next couple of months, we're partnering with organizations everywhere. If, so if you're with an organization or, or not, and, and you can contact us and say, how do I get this into you know, where I am? We have organizations uh, all around the country that are, that are finding out about the film and saying, yes, we want it here, we want it here. And, and we partner with them to be able to give them the screening rights to show, to set up screenings like what you saw today. So the website to find you, or about a, a website to find all this is? Fearlessfeatures.org. Fearlessfeatures.org, fearlessfeatures.org. My very fine friends, we are almost out of time. I want to thank, please help me thank our guests for joining us today. Appreciate them being here. 
And again, for online listeners, America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I'm going to throw in some quick news. The Supreme Court today made two great rulings shutting down the Biden vaccine mandates. I'll tell you all about it Monday morning. I've read the decisions by then. And until then, thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm. Yay. America, can we talk truth about America? Can